All right. Well, you guys really helped prepare the way tonight. We're going to talk again about worship. And uh, the only reason I'm, I was leading worship tonight, Miss Tammy is taking a little much-needed vacation. And uh, I'm just going to say it publicly. I love the worship team. I love being with the worship team. Uh, my heart jumps and rejoices when I'm with them and um, Miss Tammy and the team. And John's on vacation also. And uh, I, I love you guys. I feel like we just fit like a glove when I jump back in here and just have such a, have such a wonderful time. And it's, e- it's easy to worship. It's easy to worship. I believe that the team that we have that you see before you every single week is a team that is number one after the heart of God. Not after the music, they're after the heart of God. And that's why this, this is able to be done. So uh, it sounds so easy. It's not easy. It comes at a cost. And I just encourage you, when you see a, a children's worker, that comes at a cost. When you see a youth worker, that comes at a cost. When you see a, a group of men put together a men's retreat and see how well that thing was pulled off, that comes at a cost. That comes at some blood, sweat, and tears and some work. And be thankful. Be thankful for those that are serving you around you. And figure out a way to serve yourself. I will tell you that, again, my, my testimony, the Lord really started moving in me when I started serving. So I want to encourage you. Serve. If you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a ministry, start by serving. God's Word says your gift will make room for you. God knows what you can do. But I want to encourage you, put yourself in a place to where he can use it. And the place that I've always seen it happen in my life is when I start serving. And just start rowing the boat. The God, God will find those good rowers. And he'll exalt you. He'll promote you. God will do the promoting. Amen? I've rowed the boat. Any of y'all, have y'all ever rowed the boat? I've rowed the boat. It's really kind of a fun place to be. You don't have to think a whole lot. You just row. When all the responsibility comes at you, sometimes you lose some of the joy. I kind of like to go back to rowing every now and then. I didn't hear you, David. I probably shouldn't hear you. Yeah, they blindfolded us and made us row the boat. I'd already forgot about that, David. I need to forgive you again. (laughs) David called Elizabeth and said he was going to capsize my son's boat. And she said, oh, no, you're not. Well, we had a great time. And I'm almost back to 100%. <laughs> I had muscles in my body that I've never had hurt before. These muscles in the front part of my neck. I don't know what I did, but the front part of my neck was sore. Normally, you get sore back here, but something happened up here. I don't know what happened. It wasn't fishing. You saw the fish I caught, didn't you? Did Adam slip out? Wave at me, Adam, if you're in here. Well, he, is he out in the hallway? Well, I want you to know something was going on with him back there in that last song. Everybody was probably already checked out. We'd already really had the, the intense time of worship in the song before. But I was hearing, I was kind of hearing, I don't want to say I was needing a demon drive out, but I was hearing a spiritual thing happening with that harmonica. I thought it was coming out of the guitar, but it wasn't the guitar, it was the harmonica. And it was a pitch that I wasn't used to hearing. That's why I couldn't identify it. Uh, But something 
um, in a very positive spiritual way was going on with him. And I, I just wanted to encourage him. I'll catch him after. But uh, I'm glad you heard it. Um, I'll tell you, in worship, I will, I will hear things. I will hear what I feel like are heavenly choirs singing that I know is not coming out of this team. Um, I believe it is coming out of this team. I think it's just coming out of the spirit, out of the team. And, uh, man, if you don't know it already, I love to worship. I love to just give my heart and unabandoned. You know, there comes a time when I'm up here getting loud and I'm starting to think, oh, no, they're going to they're gonna want to reject it because it's loud and I'm getting a little crazy. And then all of a sudden, that spirit of David will release on you and say, I'm, I'm going to be even worse than this. David says, you know, you think that was bad? Oh, I got more than that. Let me give a little bit more. And you know what? That's when my, wor- that's when my, my music turns into worship is when I let the fear down and I just say, okay, y'all can think what you want. Nobody's thinking anything. It's Satan trying to divide and stop. And then there comes a time where, okay, I just step off the ledge and Lord, you're just going to have to catch me. And you know what? He always catches me. Always. Worship. Worship's a way of life. It's not a Sunday event. And you know, what I kind of felt like last week we looked at, and you know, I believe that, that worship is God consciousness. Now, it's easy for me to keep on preaching and y'all miss that. But it's awareness of the Lord. It's awareness of the part that He's supposed to play in our life. It's awareness of the position that we're supposed to be in. We run our life and think that we're in control. But I believe worship is positioning God correctly in our heart, in our life, in our walk. That's a worship of God. That's an acknowledgement of how great He is. We can say how great He is all day long. But when we live a life based on how great He is, that's a life of worship. We can come in here, we can raise our hands, we can shout, we can sing. But until we start walking our life according to His Word, according to His promises, according to His ways, I think we're just playing a game. We're coming in here and having a good time with music. Worship is not a 15-minute event. It's life. It's breath. It's, it's passion. It's emotion. It's, it's real. It's true. Uh, it's God. It's the goodness of God poured over us and us responding and walking in it and then Him pouring over us again and then us responding. When we look at the Mary and Martha syndrome, you remember Mary and Martha? Mary just sat before the feet of the Lord. Martha worked. Martha served. There's three things that I want to point out to you, and I'm going to try to go quickly because I want to finish tonight. There's always a temptation to take shortcuts in our worship. There's always a temptation to stop what's important and go do what we think is important. But we've got to place our being We've got to place our being before our doing. We've got to place our whole life before the schedule of our life. We've got to place all of us before the Lord, and everything that flows out of that 
Instead, we put our schedule first, and then maybe we'll find God at the end. Maybe we'll find time for God. We learn from Mary that God isn't seeking more workers. We learn from Mary that God isn't seeking more workers, but He's seeking more worshipers. And worship is just a response. It's simply a a response of all that we are to all that God is. It's a response of all that we are to all that God is. I almost feel like I'm I'm, I'm shooting over your head a little bit. Trying to grasp the magnitude of God is a big thing for our finite mind. And let me tell you, I haven't grasped, grasped it. I couldn't handle it. But boy, if you can just get a grasp. You know that last song we sang, your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, meaning I've got nothing to offer. What do I have to offer God? Nothing. Nothing. I don't have money. I don't have efforts. I've got nothing but my heart, but my worship. That's what I have to offer him, is thankfulness and gratitude. Do you know that that's what worship is? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You know how you enter into the courts of God? With worship. That's what happened tonight, is your heart turned, and you literally entered into the kingdom, entered into the very presence of God. It's me responding and say, God, this is all that I am, and I want to respond to you because of who you are. Worship is a sense of being vulnerable before God. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 12. Remember, we've just looked at Mary and Martha. This is going to be a little bit of a different spin. The next day, a large crowd was in Jerusalem for Passover when they heard that Jesus was coming to the festival. They took palm branches and went out to greet him. They shouted, Hooray! God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. God bless the King of Israel. Now remember, that word hooray is also hosanna. Jesus found a donkey and rode in it, just as the Scriptures say, The people of Jerusalem, don't be afraid. Your king is now coming, and he is riding on a donkey. At first, Jesus' disciples didn't understand, but after he, had given, after he had been given glory, they remembered all this. Everything had happened exactly as the Scripture said it would. Verse 17. A crowd had come to meet Jesus because they had seen him call Lazarus out of the tomb. They kept talking about him and this miracle. But the Pharisees said to each other, There is nothing that can be done. Everyone in the world is following Jesus. Four truths that we see that that this scripture here teaches us about worship. The crowds teach us that we cannot remain private in our worship. We cannot remain private in our worship. They all came out physically to see their king enter into the, into the town. They all came out and they, they did action. They threw palm branches down and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
This was out in front of everyone. Number two, the crowds were active worshipers. They weren't just standing back. They were moving. They were shaking. They were literally shaking those palm branches and throwing them before the king. And they were shouting. Tonight we had some shouting. To be honest with you, I wanted to stop the worship and ask the shouter to shout again because I wanted to hear it. So many times we have so much going on, we miss the good part. And we didn't do it on purpose. We didn't do it because we wanted to hear ourselves. Sometimes the good stuff's happening and we need to recognize it. What's the good stuff? You know what? Mary recognized the good stuff. What Martha was doing was good. We need to eat. Jesus needed to eat. But she missed the good stuff. When someone starts giving a word, listen. Do your best to line it up with Scripture. And if it lines up with Scripture, you know, it says to hold on to those things which are good. Listen, when someone starts, starts talking in the middle of worship, a lot of times the Lord is trying to speak to you. Those that are in the hearing of that word. That word's not being given just somewhat so someone can have, a, have a, a moment. It's so that someone can get the word that you've come in here looking for. Listen. It may be a quiet voice next to you. I have so many times been in worship and somebody start prophesying that no one else could hear but me. Most of the time, that's how it happens. It's rare that somebody gets up the nerve to shout it out. Can I tell you that this is a free place to shout out the word of the Lord? This is a safe place for the manifestations of the Spirit to be done. This is the place that God created to, for His manifestations to take place, was in His church. Now, Paul came to bring or Paul came and through God's word gave order. God wants order. God, listen to me, God is a God of order. But the problem is, his order isn't always what we think is our order. His order looked like these people coming out of the upper room drunk. To the world, they thought, man, it's. It's early in the morning. What are these people doing? They're, they're off their rocker. They're already drunk this early. They weren't drunk. They were under the order of God. They weren't out of order. They weren't flakes. They were under the authority of God. Can you hear me? When the manifestation of the Spirit comes and it's revealed and it's manifested, that's under the authority of God. It's not out of order. Woo. So when that word comes and we want to get uncomfortable, don't. Listen. Now there are times that a manifestation will come and it will be off. It happens. But it's rare. When our hearts are turned right and when the presence of God is here, it's rare. I've only witnessed that maybe two or three times in my whole life. And it was in groups of thousands. And the guy on the stage called it out. And he handled it. And it didn't hinder the Spirit. It released the Spirit. Hmm. 
That's good. That's, that's free. They weren't passive. They were active. They were expressive. They were demonstrative. They were singing Hosanna. They were into it. Let me tell you, our men are getting into it. God changed the men, it'll change this nation. God changed the family, it will change this nation. God changed mom and dad, it will change the nation. Because you know what? If it gets, Scripture shows us that when Paul was broken out of jail, when the chains fell off, and the jailer says, how do I find God? What do I do? How do I get him? And, and they led him to Christ. And he, he didn't say just you're going to get Christ. You and your whole family is going to get Christ. That's what happens when it, when it starts at the top. It goes through. Hmm. Getting excited. Number three, the crowds personalized their worship of Jesus. They personalized it by calling him king, by calling him by name, by shouting Hosanna. They were expressing personal adoration. They did not have a hymn book in front of them telling them to say, oh, we need to say Hosanna right here. Hosanna. Hosanna. No, they didn't have a choir set up and ready to go. They were just shouting. What was in them was coming out. That's worship. And finally, the crowds audibly declared their allegiance in worship. Now, if I can, let me talk just a minute about a personal relationship with God. Sometimes when I talk about worship, people will come to me and say, you know what, you don't understand, this is a personal thing between me and God. First of all, I want you to know that with every good, true, solid relationship, it has to be personal. Your relationship with Christ cannot be institutional. It has to be personal. It has to be personal. My relationship with Christ is based on a personal relationship. I would never act like I act if I wasn't affected personally. Never. No job, no boss, no nothing can make me do that. Only that personal relationship of expression and love can I do what I do for my God. It's the same thing with my relationship with Elizabeth. It's only through that personal relationship with her, that intimate, close relationship that causes her to see a side that no one else sees. And and God sees a whole nother level that even my wife has never seen. It is personal. Amen? You want to have a personal relationship. And you know what? Not a relationship based on church. It needs to be personal. All great relationships start personally. And church is great. But my relationship with Christ can't be based on church on the hill. It's based on me and him. Church on the hill plays a part. Church plays a part. It plays a valuable, significant part. But it, if this church were to fall to the ground and not exist anymore, my relationship with Christ would still be intact. The problem is so many times our relationship is based on church, not on a relationship with Christ. 
That's why we're messed. That's why we got messed up stuff in the church. Man, church would go so much easier if our personal relationship with Christ was right. Boy, that'll preach. But there's a difference between having a personal relationship with God and having a private relationship with God. Do you see the difference? There's a big difference. It must be personal, but it cannot continually be private. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10 that if we deny him before others, he'll deny us before the Father. Jesus is sitting at the right hand so that he can talk to Father God about us. Now, that's not the only reason. We like the, I, I, like to, I like to have this expression because this is where we live as Americans. This is where we live as kids. This is where we live as parents. It's all about us. And I have to regularly say to myself, this is not all about you. And I have to say to my children, this is not all about you. There's other people in this household, in the church. It's not all about you. I'm telling you, it's revelationary. If you can grasp, it's not all about me. In fact, it's so little about me. But it says, if we deny him, he'll deny us. But if we confess him before others, what does that mean? That means we break down the private part of our relationship and we get public If we confess him, he'll confess us. Remember Jesus sitting at the right hand? If we deny him, that communication of Jesus to the Father cannot happen about us. The way that communication happens is by our communication of him. That's going to free somebody up right there. Jesus says there's a definite relationship between confessing God among other people and, confessing, uh, and God confessing us to the Father. What he's saying is you can't love me and serve and know me personally and keep me private. You can't be a secret service Christian. So many times... We try to sneak into church. We try to find our pew. We try to kind of just slide in and slide out. I'm going to kind of relate to church. I've done it. Just trying to be private. You know, have you ever heard the expression, you can receive Christ anywhere? That's the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ, is you could receive him in a telephone booth. You just can't keep him there. You've got to share. The Lord said, if you won't praise me, the rocks will praise me. In other words, he's saying, I am due praise. I am due honor and glory. And if you don't do it, I will make sure somebody does. It would be an awful thing to be replaced by rocks. Can you imagine showing up here at church one Sunday and the pews are full of rocks? And I didn't put them there. God put them there. Because he's going to be praised. It says, 
If we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Now, I want to encourage, I want, I want to encourage you. You're not, you're not a dead person that doesn't praise. You praise. Man, y'all worship. We have just got a great worshiping church. But we've got to not be a surfacey worshiping church. I would rather, now, I, I, I like the energy. I like people in the pew. I like people at the altar. I like people on their face. I like people running. I like people shouting. I like people jumping. I, I like energy. But I would rather have everybody stand completely still and completely worship than have all this external stuff that's not real. I don't think that's physically possible. But I'll take the real. I'll take the real. I want you to know in heaven, it is going to be earth-shattering. It is not going to be as stoic as we think. How do I know that? Because I'm created in God's image, and I can be energetic. Do you not think that he's given us that energy to glorify him? That joy that just makes you want to jump and run and shout and woo-hoo. I mean, we go to sports events and we act like a bunch of nuts. That's the way God wants you to act about Him. I love sports events, but who cares? How much does LeBron James and the Miami Heat winning the NBA championship really affect my life? God affects my life. God's for me. LeBron James isn't for me. And I like LeBron James. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like him. But man, I, I want to I be found at, 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 at the pearly gates to say, you, you, you worshiped more for me than you did anything else on this earth. More than UT, more than any sports event, more than any of my kids' events that I've seen my kids do great things. He deserves more than that. And let me tell you, I can root and yell and I'll embarrass you if you get around me. Robert Owens, and Robert still is needing prayer. He's, he's still uh, battling with some, uh, I would just please be praying for him. But I embarrassed Robert at a Tennessee Tech basketball game. <laughs> How much have you got that you're not spending on God? How much have you got? Let me give you an acrostic. You know what an acrostic is? They get kind of goofy every now and then, but I'm going to give you one anyway for the word praise. It's where you take a letter of, of the word and you, you put a, a term with it. Praise, P. It's personal. Praise begins with my deep feeling about God. Praise starts right there from my heart. R, P-R, it's reverent. When I speak for reverence, I'm saying that it begins in a horrible, horrible, humble place. Let me say it this way, a horribly humble place. A humble place. It's birthed out of the soil of humility, of the understanding of God's strength and our weakness. A, it's appreciative. Praise is thankful. 
um, uh, you don't even know, I don't even know that you did this, but you walked through the office, I think today, and you were just, I don't even know that you knew you were talking out loud. But me and Justin and uh, Michelle and Caleb were all down in, in, her air, in Michelle's area, and Elizabeth just stormed through. Not ugly, just went through, and she just started saying, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful. And Caleb did a double take, and he said, do you remember? Where are you, Caleb? Are you back there? He, I thought he was back there. I, I said, he said, what'd she say? What'd she say? And you weren't talking to anybody. You were just walking. Do you even know that you did that? I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. She wasn't saying that for anybody's, any, she was just, that literally, that's worship. It's in the middle of your day just stopping and saying, I'm thankful for you, God. You are so good, I will enter your gates. You know what she did? She entered the gates of the Lord. Whether she felt a goose bump or not, by being thankful to God, you know what that did? That invited God to come into her presence. I want to say something funny. Sometimes I think I'm so good. <laughs> my, my preaching's so good. And, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, y'all aren't getting it. It's okay. You don't have to clap for that. You know what? It's the joy of the Lord. And, and I so want you to get it. I want you to grasp that in, in, the, midst of, in the midst of hell, find something to be thankful for. Because you know what? We're all walking through hell. Satan is the prince of the air here on this earth. We are literally walking. We are walking through demonic activity. We are walking through all hell trying to stop what God has already done. It's done. Hell just can't get a clue of it. Sometime it's going to come evident. And the kingdom is going to be here on earth. And it's going to rain for a thousand years. That's coming. And as we walk through hell, be thankful. You know what she did? And she didn't even know it. I've not even talked to her about it. She was fighting off hell right there. You want to war hell? Praise God. P-R-A, appreciative. P-R-A-I, it's illuminating. It's awakening. It's light. We learn a lot about ourselves. You remember when Isaiah saw the Lord? Do you remember when Isaiah was worshiping God and he got that vision? Do you remember what he said? We did that. We talked about this about three months ago, four months ago. What did he say? He said, Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm unclean. What did he see? He saw how great God was and he saw who he was. That doesn't beat him down. That just positions him, and he acknowledges the magnificence of God. That was an appropriate positioning for Isaiah. When we worship God, you know what we do? We come into his holiness. S, it's sincere, it's honest, it's true, and it's meaningful. And finally, E, it's enthusiastic. There's energy in worship because we're giving him glory and we're giving him praise.
Can you imagine it being your, just for my sake, I'm 41, your 40th birthday? And some people have dreaded their 40th birthday. Some people really have had a funny 40th birthday. I don't know. Let's say your 20th birthday. I think we're still pretty happy about our 20th birthday. I was happy about my 40th birthday. It's okay. What are we going to do? I need my 40th birthday. What's my other option? There's no other option. Praise God for 40 years. Praise God for 41. But at 20 years old, you come home, and all of a sudden, your, your parents have invited all your favorite friends, all your people from college, everybody that loves you, everybody's around. Lights are off. Lights come on. You walk in the room, and they all shout, Surprise! Happy birthday! And you come in, and you're like, Oh, man, y'all are so sweet. Thank you so much. And the, the energy kind of dies down, and they go back and talk amongst themselves. And don't give you any presents. The focus has completely gone off of you for the rest of the party. That was the only attention you got was at, the, at that moment. But the rest of the time, it went on. How would that feel? Man, what a stinking party. That stunk. Can I relate that to Jesus and worship? You know, we come into the sanctuary on Sunday and, you know, we say, this is, this is the Lord's day. I will rejoice. And the Bible says, be glad in it. We come to the Lord's house on the Lord's day. But so many times we're preoccupied. We're preoccupied with what we've got to do later that day. We're preoccupied with what we've got to do, what we've just done walking in. We're preoccupied with how much longer is this going to take? Is he almost done? Does he have any idea what I've got to do next? And you're relating that to the pastor. Relate that to God. We come in for a birthday party. We come in for a celebration of how great God is. And we get so preoccupied that we don't give God anything. And we leave. And we expect God to meet every need that we have. And we've just left him standing there. We've just left him at his throne, and we've not acknowledged him at all. The picture I'm trying to paint for you is, acknowledge God. Acknowledge God in your marriage, in your children, in your life, in your job, in your church. And you may, you may say, Pastor, I've got nothing. That's okay. That's a good place to start. It's a good place to start. You know, and that, you know what, what happens there when you've really got nothing, you've got no reason to, to praise? I, I believe it's one of the most genuine places you can be because what's going to have to happen is it's going to have to be sacrifice. It's going to have to come at a cost of yours. And I want you to know, when we were unworthy, and we still are, when we, when we were not deserving, Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice. That's enough for you to even be going through hell to be able to say, I have a reason to rejoice. Because, because I'm not who I was. Because I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the sin that was in my life has been washed clean. And the death that I deserved, I no longer have to pay. Because Jesus paid that price for me. And when worship starts, 
you know what? Let your worship start. Crank it up. Start it up like you start a lawnmower. You know what? It takes effort to start a lawnmower. And I'm talking about the kind that you got to pull the chain. Man, how many of you have had sinful thoughts trying to pull that thing, trying to start a lawnmower? Or a weed eater? Man, I've had to repent over our weed eater a lot of times. You know what? It says stir yourself up. Stir yourself up in the Lord. You know what David had to do? He had to encourage himself. Why? Because nobody else is going to do it. You've got to do it. Dig down deep. Reach down for where that's at. I want you to know the Lord is going to respond to it. Why? Because he loves it. And it says that when we praise him, he comes. When we praise him, he's enthroned. I want to encourage you. Let's worship. Let's be found worshiping. Tonight, you guys worshiped. I could feel it. I could feel the truth. I could feel the Spirit. Spirit and truth. I could feel it. I could feel it in you. Now, don't keep it in the telephone booth. Don't keep it within here. Take it out. Be expressive to people. Show love. Show compassion. What would Jesus do with this person you're about to encounter? Go love on them. Can we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, let the worshipers arise. Lord, let Church on the Hill be a church that worships. Lord, let Church on the Hill be a church that repents. Lord, let Church on the Hill be a church that is unified in spirit. Let Church on the Hill walk in here and say, less of me, Lord, and more of you. And Father, I just ask you, let that start with me. Let that start with me, a spirit of humility to be on me, to be on my staff, to be on our leadership, a spirit of unity, a spirit of whatever it takes. We are going to find God. Nothing else matters. As Moses said, if you don't go, I'm not going. We go with you, Lord. Lord, I just praise your holy name, and I'm so thankful for how great you are. I'm thankful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Praise the Lord out of your mouth. Let's see God move miracles in your life.